Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Osher Ginsburg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsburg. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. My guest today here on episode 68 of the show is Daniel McPherson. You can follow him on Twitter at D-A-N-M-A-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N at Dan McPherson. I never asked if he was related to L McPherson. Hmm. Anyway, episode 68. Here we are. So there's 67 other episodes that you can enjoy. So if you're new, welcome. If you're new, a uh, little bit about me. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Hi, I'm Australian. I live in California. I uh, host TV. I make radio um, and I, I ride my bicycle. That's pretty much the short of it. And I work on a few other things. Um, and on this show, I like to talk to people who've somehow found a way to get paid to do what they love to do. Because isn't that it? If we get to do that, isn't that the greatest thing ever? So on this show, we talk, we converse. It's less an interview. It's more of a conversation. But it is grounded in one thing. It's grounded in authenticity, which is, I think, the, the, the greatest thing that we can possibly be to each other is to be authentic. So please do subscribe. If you subscribe, this episode, the new episodes will magically appear in your phone. 
week after week. You can subscribe in iTunes. You can also subscribe to the mailing list at osherginsberg.com. You can find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook. I'm there. I think there's even a Tumblr somewhere. I have to figure that out. There's an old if this, then that routine that updates that. Never mind. So um, speaking of being authentic, hi, I should really check in with you. I hope you've had a good week. I am still in three steps forward, two steps back land, which kind of sucks a bit. Um, I still kind of wake up a bit and think the world's ending, which is uh, which is tough. I got sent a bit sideways this week by the the NASA announcement that 2014 was the hottest year on record. Again, we've done it again. So um, yeah, that kind of freaks me out. I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, you know, I can only do what I can do. I can only live my life the way I live my life, and I can only control what I can control. Um, I just hope that I might get the Lao Tzu shirt made. Uh, Lao Tzu, I believe, was the one that said, be careful of which direction you are headed. You might just end up there. So uh, <laughs> I might figure that out. So I'm trying to focus as hard as I can on the possibility that can come out of fighting alternatives to the way we're currently living because it's pretty exciting when you think about it. In fact, I've got a guest coming up in a few weeks and she and I talk about just that, which is, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, now, last week, I, I made a bit of a, an analogy with uh, my bicycle and my mental health. And it seems that resonated. So here's another one. Last week, I talked about uh, that uh, being on meds is a little like choosing a bigger cog for your rear axle on your bicycle. It, you still have to work and huff and puff to get up the hills. It's just a little easier. That's it. Um, so this week's mental health analogy is... Uh, my regular ride, I ride regularly up a, a hill here called Topanga Canyon, which is really great. I think by the end of my ride, it's not that enormous. I do about uh, 80, uh, what is it, 40 miles, 60K, about, about 60K a day. Uh, that takes about two and a quarter, two and three quarter hours. And um, there's about 600 meters of elevation in that, but it's all kind of compact. Some of it's it's fairly, fairly steep. And on Tuesday, I rode within five seconds of my personal best, which was when I was about six or seven kilograms heavier. I think it's about 14 or 15 pounds. Thanks, meds. Uh, six, sorry, lighter. <laughs> six or seven kilograms lighter uh, when I hit my personal best or uh, my PB, as we like to say in Australia. So I rode within five seconds of that the other day and I was stoked, but I, man, I worked, worked to get up the hill. And anybody that lives around there would have heard some huffing and puffing, that's for sure. But yeah, I was stoked that I got up there. The next day, I rode that same ride, exactly the same ride, and I was five minutes slower the next day. But, you know, I didn't let it discourage me. That's, you know, to be understood. Someone on Twitter said, that's my big hill hangover. Fair enough. I'll take that. Had a rest day. And then yesterday, with about, I'm going to say 75% to 80% of the effort, I wasn't even hurting really that much only in like two spots where it pitches up to about 10 degrees incline did it hurt a bit but nowhere near the kind of huffing and puffing that i was doing the whole way up i had a close shave with my personal best i came within 10 seconds of it and i wasn't even trying that hard so there it is the stress causes growth the three steps forward two steps back is actually okay and I just have to keep remembering that, that even though it hurts some days, I'm going to be stronger because of it. And, um, and that's what I've really got to hold on to. 
that and my my team of people that look after me that I believe I, by this stage I must their their sons and daughters must have excellent braces and beautiful ponies. But at what price? <laughs> Clear head. I don't really care. Let me tell you about my guest. My guest today is a wonderful human being. Dan McPherson. He's on Twitter at Dan, M-A-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N, at Dan McPherson. He's also on, on uh, Instagram. You can find him there. I'm going to put this out here right now. Dan McPherson is a challenger to Hugh Jackman for the nicest, most talented, gifted, charismatic, light up a room and all within it man on the planet. He really is. He's just such an incredible guy. I have such a man crush on him. I really do. I'm very grateful to call him a friend. Really, really am. Um, and he's forever a grommet. A grommet in Australia is uh, a young surfer who's just super keen and will surf in anything. And Dan is an absolute grommet when it comes to anything, life generally. He just jumps out of his skin with joy. Uh, he's an actor. He's a television host. He hosts Dancing with the Stars down in Australia. And he's also a world-class age group triathlete. He regularly makes uh, the world championships. Um, he's a, a fantastic athlete. We do cover a lot in this one. Dan's actually in New Zealand right now, which is super exciting. He's shooting the new series, which is going to be on MTV, called Shannara, which is a kind of elven, future, mystical kind of vibe in the sort of Game of Thrones, Hobbit world. But uh, very, very exciting for him. John Favreau is the executive producer. You may remember him from such films as Iron Man. Yeah, so it's got some heavy hitters involved. And at the end of this episode, Dan shares some wonderfully happy news about himself and Zoe, uh, which is really, really nice. And it made my heart glow. If you dig listening to Daniel, let him know. You can find him on Twitter at D-A-N-M-A-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N, at Dan McPherson. Follow him. Be inspired. He's a lovely chap. I'm really grateful that you can be here. I'm grateful we can be here. Enjoy. This is an afternoon in my house in Venice with a fresh off his bicycle, Dan McPherson. That's the other podcast I do, Ancient Lenses. <laughs> I bought that on eBay and it turned up all scratched and shit. No. Whatever. I love it. Anyway, I'm recording. Sorry, I got um, distracted by the graphics. Oh, just by the richness of yeah. the home of the, <laughs> the original G. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there. Oh man, there's a lot of that's, that 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 mountain of stuff gets kind of bigger. I'm just envious that all your stuff's kind of in one one place or one-ish place. Well, come and talk to me in the other half of the year when I'm doing Bachelor. I'm living out of a suitcase oh, for five months. Well, I'm happy to talk to you about that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's uh, it's nice to have. So I've got I've got that bike. That bike's in the shop. The other bike, the tandem in the yeah. hallway, and my commuters out there as well. Yeah. This is my old hybrid bike yeah. that I put beach cruiser pedals on. Yeah. So it's got like skate deck. On, it's got skate deck like, on the pedals. Really? Yeah, yeah. Have like cool. full beach cruiser yeah. pants, oh, so wicked. you can ride it in thongs. Wicked. And I've got the panniers down there, and that's the oh, that's the one I take to the grocery store. So that's a beautiful bike. It's good. It. They're Venice Beach it. Company. So like, yeah. yeah. So the first one they got me, the wheel, the front wheel, I had to change five flats within the first three months, and I said, guys, this is it's not mm. great. This yeah. is not what it should be. You, you know, 
a good company. Um, I'm at the owner. I'm like, this is, I'm sure you don't want this to be the way. And they're like, tell me what size it is. I'll send you another one. Oh, wow. Had a new bike in 10 days. And so well, they were kind of put it, a whole new bike. Yeah, that's a new bike. They just wow. sent, me a, sent me a new one. Not just, just a handful of new tubes. No, 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 no. Fantastic. Sent me a whole new bike. Were you getting awesome. flats on both wheels? Yep. No, it's not. It's cursed. Yeah, it was. Oh, that's good tea. Mm. How are you, Dan? You know what? I am absolutely awesome. It's, I'm happy it's, to hear that. It's, I, don't, you know, I don't know how much you give away here, but preserve the mystery, but it's a beautiful Monday afternoon. Mm. I text you not long ago saying, hey, man, where should I park? And I went, what the heck am I thinking? I had a beautiful bike here. I actually ran down past your house this morning All right. Um, from, a, from a morning run and I was just completely blissing out. And then I thought, what better way to spend the afternoon and to just to get in the, the mindset to have a chat with you about life and all things amazing than to ride a bicycle for yeah. the pure joy yeah. of riding a bike along the beachfront, Santa Monica, Venice. It's, uh, it's the middle of winter and it's like, 25 degrees Celsius out there. I don't know what that is in in Fahrenheit because I'm not that much of an American yet. But but it's just it was just beautiful, man. I'm great and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's a beautiful afternoon. Hmm. It's a beautiful day. It is. It is. It is a beautiful day. And uh, we. Uh, I'm surprised you're still riding. I'm still recovering from our New Year's Day ride, to be honest. Uh, Trying to chase you and Rich up Rockstall Mountain. Uh, Crikey, that was. No, I think we're all. Um, I was very sore after that, but I just, it is, I think actually it is still my favorite place to ride my bike in the world. And up I've, yeah, up, up in that area, in those mountains, in the Santa Monica mountains, just to have it on our doorstep. And, and I've done sort of two summers or three summers of riding up there with, with a bunch of great mates, you know, yourself included and, and just to be that close to LA, but just to be just amongst this rich, natural kind of it really is it's amazing just, isn't it like oh, less, it's amazing not even like it takes an hour to get there on a bike it can yeah. take 25 minutes on when there's no traffic yeah. you can be in malibu in 25 yeah. minutes from here it's it's my fun park it did you know, seriously and then you took me up up mulholland from when mulholland meets the highway yep that's a beautiful climb yeah and the whole way the mulholland rides along that ridge there yep yeah beautiful and then down that canyon that decker canyon oh crikey yeah crikey it's a, yeah it's i mean it's spectacular but decker particularly is really windy there's no there's no guardrail in that bottom half yeah there was it's some bits which canyon. it's a long way down oh, yeah, i yeah, thought we were yeah. going to be in the 70s cop show where we fly yeah. the car off the edge <laughs> and we explode i mean that's and decker so decker was the first ever canyon that i rode up when i moved to la years ago you'd heard about all these canyons yeah. you thought here i am let's go you, you head up the pch and you and you can't help but turn right because because that's where all the mountains are and obviously the ocean out to your left and so I just rode up there and PCH is kind of like riding beach road in Melbourne or it's, or it's kind of like riding Eastern suburbs or Cornell or whatever the, so the main ride is in, in Sydney, but, and then, so I picked a Canyon and, and it was Decker and it was the wrong Canyon. Um, cause it's like super steep, super windy. I remember there was a rattlesnake on the road within the first like 200 meters. And, and I got halfway up and turned around. I was like, this, I'm not, I'm not doing this. You know, I didn't know where I was and, Zoe was back in, in Santa Monica waiting for me. And, and switch you know, backs and switches back and switches it's incredible. back. Yeah. And, and now I know it as part of the network, you know. Up yeah. There, so you can kind of, uh, my favorite thing to do, you know, when I'm getting ready for a ride the next morning is sit down and kind of map out, okay, so what am I feeling? Where are we going? We'll go up here and down here. And okay, 
Ah, it's great, man. I, I'm I'm going to go tomorrow and I'm going to go the next day. I, can't I wish wait. my bike's in the shop. If my bike wasn't in the shop, I would be. It's, I would have ridden today. It's like Disneyland up there, but that's why. Like yesterday, I I took that fixie out for a twenty k, a twenty twenty k jaunt. Um, yeah. Just because I needed to get my legs moving. Yeah. And it was good actually. It was fun yeah. to, to change. I yeah. like. I just love. I've, there's something about. I don't, I'm forty, but I think I got my first wheels, my first bike. It was a Cyclops. How long ago? Oh, God, 82. All oh, right, yeah. It was a yeah, Cyclops yeah. Amaru BMX. Blue <laughs> oh. and, it was blue and yellow. And it had pads everywhere. That was fantastic. Was so awesome. were you, what were you, eight? I was eight. Yeah, right. And there was something about up to that point, anytime I wanted to go anywhere that was further than a walk, I had to rely on my parents. Yep. And then suddenly I can go wherever I want. As far away as I like. And we would just ride in packs, you know? BMX bandits. Totally. Doing it. Yeah. We would ride it like there's eight or ten of us. We would just fly up and down hills. I still think the absolute essence of what you remember and what you love about that is still the absolute essence that draws people to cycling today. It's the you know, largest growing sports in the world. Uh, Second most popular sport in the, in the world. Really? Oh. Behind? Behind football. Soccer. Yeah, right. Behind wow. soccer. Participation Second most popular participation sport. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But I think that that essence, whether you're a professional, well, obviously, but but there's got to be a hint of that, whether you're a professional cyclist or, or someone who's jumping on a bike for the very first time, but that essence of just Mate, flying down Decker Canyon, chasing Rich Roll oh. the other day, I was eight again. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I really was. Yeah. Stakes are way higher. I'm going way faster. Yeah. And there's a cliff to yeah. my right, but yeah. it's not Chapel Hill great? with the round little gutters that went up in slopes so you could do little camper yeah. turns on them. Isn't it amazing? I've been I've been riding bikes since oh since nineteen. I've been riding racing bikes since nineteen ninety one. I was eleven when I got my first racing bike, and cool. I'm similar to you. I got my first BMX when I was six or eight years old. Yeah, so I was born in nineteen eighty, so it's nineteen eighty eight. But the day after we rode in the mountains, I rode with another couple of friends, and we were coming down Canaan Doom, which is the big yeah, that's two, a, two lane windy, it's huge, it's weird, big, big and fat. open. Yeah, it's a highway. It's winding down a hill. So luckily, there's no traffic. And even then I'm finding new ways to go faster, you know, like you can't pedal because you're out of gears. So I'm like, okay, what if I lean further forward over? The, I, have my, I have my chest on my computer on my stem with my head like right, right down, trying to get down on my, my front wheel. And I was banging past these people and I'm like, this is amazing. Like just scaring yourself a little <laughs> oh bit. It's God. the way to do it. Anyway, <laughs> remind yourself you're alive. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know if I've told you this before, but do you remember the first time we met? Wasn't it an, wasn't an Aria's after party, was it? Mm-hmm. No. If it was an Aria's after party, I would. We wouldn't remember <laughs> it. Uh, I do remember some Aria's after parties, mm. one in particular. Right. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> not for this podcast. Not for this podcast. We were at the opening of the Fox Studios Australia event. Wow. It was when that opened in 1999. Yeah, 1999. I was there with Brooke Satchwell and Krista Vendi from Neighbours. You were at the height of Neighbours. Yeah. And you grabbed me and you had a little disposable camera with you and you said, let's get a fire at the tree. And you were in this fantastic suit and you grabbed me and we took this cheesy photo and you were all excited. Uh, and I was all excited because I'm like, here's this guy from Neighbours who's won logies and stuff and he wants a photo with me. I'd just been on Channel V for six months at that point. <laughs> 
That was, I was, I must have been, I was 19. Yeah. I was 19 and I'd started, I've been on Neighbours for about 18 months and, and I'd been act. I've been on Neighbours for 18 months and I'd been acting for probably less than two years, you know? And so, and so I, I went from, I picked off the side of road at a triathlon and met my first manager and got my, six months later, got a job, which was Neighbours, finished high school, moved to Melbourne, started acting, didn't know what the heck I was doing. 12 months later, won a Logie, 18 months later, Met Andrew G. <laughs> Which at, is my old name, by at, the way. Yeah, the artist formerly known as Andrew yeah. G at, at Fox Studios premiere, where I was writing for a magazine called Big Hit, which was this teen magazine. And basically, they just give me a disposable camera once a month. I'd go and take photos of my month. I'd send them the camera, which is always a little bit dangerous. And uh, and I'd probably, you know, these day and age, lawyer, lawyers would get involved, I'm sure, saying, oh, no, we'll print the photos first and we'll send you the next. But it was all very fun. And, and I was 19. And so I would go out with my mates and then I'd write an article, write an article. I'd write a couple of hundred words about what we did or a few bullet points. And, and it was, you know, I'd get paid to write for this teen mag. Like it was, they, they were crazy years. They really were crazy years. I, I never, it was not what I never, I never expected to do anything like that. But I look back now, it was, a, it was fun, fun years, man. I met the, uh, I walked past our prime minister that night. Prime Minister John Howard was there. Was was Paul Keating there as well? I don't. Remember. I think very late, late in the piece, there was there was a couple of really big heavy hitters, heavy there. hitters there. Yeah, there was the kids. There was the neighbours and the Channel V gang. Well, Rupert would have called up and said, "Yeah, I'm opening it. Come on down." Yeah, yeah I remember at the end of the night, there was kind of a there was kind of a, a couple of lineups for a couple of photos with a couple of PMs and XPMs and things Boy. like that. Yeah, um, I remember going out to a club afterwards. And I had these big, ridiculous platform shoes on. Why are we wearing platforms? Was, I don't know. Do you have a short complex or it was a No, was a no, no. it was a Gene Simmons thing, I think. <laughs> um, and uh, I went. I remember walking down the stairs of this nightclub. I can't remember the name of it. And one of the platforms blew out about eight steps from the bottom and I slid down on my coccyx. <laughs> All the way to the bottom, and I took a spill right at the feet of Human Nature, the band. <laughs> and uh, the girl I was working with at the time laughed at me, laughed at me really hard, like, and not in a nice way. And I was like, "Motherfucker!" Uh, uh, I went home. <laughs> human Nature never looked at the same since. They're oh, lovely guys. They would laugh. They, they would have helped they you up. They did. They're good boys. Toby reached down and picked me up with his big strong hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Neighbours for folks listening outside of Australia was uh, somewhat of a religious experience. It was on every day. It mm. was a soap opera that followed the rough and tumble life of a family on Ramsey Street yeah. and they're associated. It's a soap opera and it's been going yeah. forever. Third, I just did the 30th anniversary. Uh, I went and did an interview oh, in cool. Australia. I was back there for 30, wow. 30 years. You know, sort of where are they now and what are they doing? And it's a it's a machine. I mean, it's like yeah. like anything where you get a chance to practice. It you know, there's for the goodness for the ninety eight people that don't now have full time acting careers to have great full time acting careers. Yeah. So it's not a high percentage, but because they have a turnover of of actors, it's, it's incredible. I remember for me, it was my first ever job. I was straight out of high school. You're filming five episodes. It goes it goes to where five nights a week. So you're filming a huge amount of episodes. You know, you're either performing 
in the biggest day I had was like something like 16 scenes or 15 scenes in a day. So you you have to go in prepared. You had to be absolutely punctual. I remember Anne Charleston, who who played Madge for years, who was one of the iconic sort of matriarch of, of the show. She said, you know, if you arrive at your call time, you're late. And and that was kind of that was the mantra. If you were because there were so many young kids in there, and sort of there was their first jobs, and there was home, there was teachers in there, so you do your schooling in there as well, and 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 things like that. So. So with a lot of you know sort of kids under eighteen, and I, I was like I just started straight out of high school, but um, but it was just you you learn about publicity and you learn about professionalism and punctuality and preparation, everything. It was it was it was an amazing type of of drama school. Yeah. And then you go to the UK, and so the UK it was on twice a day, and and it was crazy. I remember like Coldplay when they first came to Australia invited like Toadfish and a bunch of his neighbours' mates to come and see them play live at the chapel. So me and and Ryan who played Toadie and Andrew Bibby who played Lance and a bunch of us all went in and they were, we were late because we'd been filming and Coldplay sort of stopped and was like, oh, my God, Chris Martin was like, oh, my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we quite walk all the way down, down the middle to the front row. There's like four seats for us. We sit there. They play the set. This is amazing. They've just released Yellow. It's incredible. Like, oh, they like finish up and they're like, boys, boys, come back for beer. So we go back into this, their dressing room, which is like this broom cupboard the size of this table which is yeah you know two meters by two meters and the eight of us are kind of cramped in there you know sharing like the two beers that are part of their rider talking about what's happening in neighbors you know like it was there were crazy days with with chris martin and coldplay and, <laughs> you know it was, it was yeah crazy days where did you put your logie it's a mum's house actually yeah yeah that was uh that's 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 kind of yeah i think mum kind of commandeered that early i think she she kind of put it next to this. There's like a couple of family photos. This is like my brother and my sister and my Logie, and then a photo of me and Robbie Williams. So, <laughs> so the rest of the family's kind of lost out, you know. But that's how it's that's how it's ended up. The Logie is like the Emmy of Australia, yeah. uh, or the the BAFTA, or I guess of, of Australia. Well, that's, um, that's that's giving a bit of cred, but well, I'll take BAFTA. Look, you know, television BAFTA. We'll take it's TV <laughs> TV BAFTAs. The TV BAFTAs. So at the time. Uh, is, was Neighbours at the time production funded by any of the UK or? Not sure. I don't think so. Because uh, there was a lot of politics when Fremantle and Thames and, and oh, yeah. it was the bill. Yeah, it was all kind of changing. So, but as big as Neighbours was in Australia, it was absolutely gigantic yeah. in the UK. Did you travel over there at all while you were? Yeah, I, I did it. I did a lot actually. So, and, and, it, and it probably had the one of the biggest influences on my development as a young actor, to be honest. So I went over and did um, pantomime three times. So every Christmas we get a four-week production break. Um, we go to the UK and, and, and sort of Australian soap stars would be recruited for pantomime, which, which is kind of farcical, comedic, fairy tale musical theatre. Um, which I guess somewhat of a Christmas tradition over Christmas. there. Yeah, absolutely. Take the and kids to the panto. Yeah, so you know, I played Jack and Jack and the Beanstalk, or, or Aladdin and, and and Prince Charming and Cinderella. And Did you ever get to say where? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's behind you. Anyway, um, <laughs> really? Anyway, so uh, much fun yeah. breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> oh, so great. much fun. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing, but you were working with these incredible actors who, who you know, older English actors who'd been doing panto for years but also been doing theatre for years and whatnot. So for a young 17, oh, 18, 19, 20-year-old kid who'd yeah. come from the surf at Cronulla to being on TV to suddenly, the first one was a shock. I was like, 
I'm going over to Panto. They're paying me all this money. They're flying me over business class. I land. They're picking me up at Heathrow. They're taking me to the theater. They put me up in, in these amazing digs. The reality was we flew over. I landed. They picked me up in a car. We drove four hours north up the M1 into the snow and the sleet and the darkness. Then we went through a town. And then we went, oh, this is where the theater is. And then we drove like five miles out of the town, out into the Yorkshire Dales, into the moors, and there's like wind farms and there's tiny, tiny little light up on the hill. And we drove up this driveway to this pub and I kind of, it was this guest house and and we're like, where are we? This is, I thought we were going to London and we're going to be famous. And, and we, you know, and but it was amazing. We spent like two months living in this beautiful guest house out in the middle of Yorkshire and it snowed all through Christmas. And then I played Jack and the Beanstalk at the the Victoria Theatre in Halifax, which is a kind of hard mining, working class kind of rugby league playing town with beautiful people and beautiful hospitality, and and uh, it was a you know one of many experiences, great experiences. Was that your first time overseas? Uh, it was my first. We actually lived there as a kid. We moved over as a family. We moved over in 1988 to the UK. Dad's work took him over there and we packed up as a family and went on kind of a two-year working holiday. Uh -huh. And I remember when we first landed in, in the UK then and the cab driver picked us up from Heathrow and, and took us to wherever we were staying. Um, and as soon as he knew we were Australian, his first question was, what, what's happening in Neighbours? Because they were, I think at that time, they were like 18 months behind. So they were like, oh, so if wherever we went, what happened? You know, they wanted to know about Kylie and Jason or Scott and Charlene and, and um, I think Henry was there, yeah, which was Craig McLaughlin's character. Oh, you know? wow. and so. You know all this stuff, so so everybody was was neighbors mad over there. So it just opened up a whole new whole new world for me. Yeah. I ended up living when I finished neighbors. I ended up living in London for five years after that, which I loved. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask about that. Not a lot of uh, I don't know. Do Australian actors go to the UK at all anymore? Or do they all come here? I think now they they all kind of gravitate towards LA, and I think now they gravitate towards LA without even working at home. You just kind of pack up and come here. You know, a lot of people kind of skip that step. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but, but I did five years there and, and I, I kind of, I viewed that as my acting school or my drama school because I came out of a soap and I kind of, I would walk down the corridors and similar to what you were just sort of saying, you'd see all the faces of all the cast and all these recognizable faces over the, I think it'd been going for 22 years or something when I was there or 20 years and you go, okay, I, I recognize all of them and probably half of them I know have worked since. And probably a quarter of them have gone on to forge careers and probably like a small percentage have forged incredible careers and, and, and not just in acting, but in music or in, in directing or whatever. And you go, okay, cool. So, so let's see what you got to do to get that. So I, I came out and went, well, I have no, I've never gone to drama school. My own experience of acting is, is Neighbours and Panto. I need to go to the UK and learn how to act. And instead of going into the next... Australian TV show and doing it on screen and finding my way on screen, I'll go over there, I'll earn pounds, I'll try and do theatre or musical theatre. I got offered a musical as I was finishing up with Neighbours. So great, I'll go and, and I'll go and spend that time learning learning my craft, if you will, or just, you know, learning my skill set and, and and growing up as a, as a young, because it was always a novelty. I was, I got offered this 18-month contract after an audition that I did six months before and I was finishing straight out of high school. I was like, great, I'll go and do 18 months on Neighbours and then I'll, I'll go back to uni and I'll go and do this economics degree that I was going to do and all I wanted was an EH Holden station wagon, you know, and then the, the, that 18-month contract got renewed for another year and then another year and then suddenly it wasn't a novelty anymore and I kind of made a decision at 21 to go, well, which I think about, that. Jesus I was young, 
but but you kind of go well it's not a novelty and if i want to take this opportunity i could either wrap it up and go this is an amazing four years of my life i'm going to move go back to my old life and take it as an experience and i've got a logie and i've got a deposit on a house and i've got all this great stuff and i'll go back to cronulla and 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 do what i was going to do or i'll, I'll kind of take a leap of faith and go well i've been given this opening let's grab the bull by the horns and do everything in my power to see how long i can ride it for so that's what we're doing uh 17 years later <laughs> at the time i'm sure they would have loved for you to stay what were the voice what were the voices uh, the actual quote were from the executive producer at the time was i don't think you're a good enough actor to leave i think you should spend another six or eight months here working on your acting before you go out into the into the marketplace which pretty much was all I needed to hear to go see you later, fuckers. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for everything, but I'm done. <laughs> we we yeah. all we all kind of need that person, I think. Oh, absolutely, and, and they take person. different forms, you know. Yeah, I've yeah. certainly got that person in my life. Yeah, yeah. We all need that person who goes, yeah, you're not going to make it. Yeah. There's somewhere. There's the. It's not spiteful. Well, maybe it is. There's the. Really? Well, I'll fucking show you. Yeah. And, and I think it, a lot of people here in LA, you know, a lot of Americans and particularly in the entertainment industry, so you, all of you Aussies are incredible. You Aussies are something else. You're all hard workers and you're all talented and you're all driven and you're all this. And you're, I was like, well, I think, I think that's untrue. I think actually 5,000 Australians will come over here, 3,000 will leave, but the ones that stay are the driven, the ones that want to tough it out, the ones that, that will go, screw you, I'm going to show you that I can make this and I'm not going home until I do. And so the Americans kind of get this slightly distorted view of what all Australians are like. But, mm. but I think there's a real hardiness and a real drive and determination in those that want to stay here and, and those that want to stay here and succeed and work. And, and, and also, who knows what success is? Do you have to be Russell Crowe? Sam Worthington, whoever, is that success? Or, or is it Claire Bowen who's doing an amazing job on Nashville? That's a huge success to, in, my, in my books. So who knows? Who knows what people judge success by? But, or, or, you know, or is it the fact that you come over and have an amazing five years of your life here, get to see America and go home and get on with your career you know, and go on with a, a rich, beautiful life? So what's success for you? Ooh. Um, I guess I guess I've always come from that kind of sporting and competitive nature. So there was a competitive element of going, screw you guys, I'm gonna I won't stop. But I, I kind of success for me would be achieving probably what I set out to achieving what I know I'm capable of, or or at least achieving what I realize or I know is my potential. And so until I've done that. I probably, if, if we were to turn around now to about three years in, give or take, I mean, and, and for the last two years, we've probably done half in Australia and half here in LA. But if I was to turn around now, which I'm not, but, but if I was to turn around and go, we'll go home, I think despite the fact I've got a, a beautifully healthy career back home and there's been some really successful things happen here and I know that I would go home a much better actor than when I arrived three years ago, uh, I, this would still be a nagging doubt of going, oh, I didn't, 
I didn't do, I didn't, I didn't achieve my potential. They didn't get to see my potential. I didn't get to, I, I didn't, you know, do what I really knew I can do or knew what I was capable of. So, so, you know, we're going to keep, and the fact is also that we absolutely love it here. And so for now, and, and, and while we're, while we're here and we don't have um, kids to, to, to sort of worry about yet or the responsibility of parenthood, um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, and, and who knows, we might even, we might even stay here as parents, you know, yeah. raising place, but we're also, you know, Zoe's family, you know, Zoe grew up in Perth. I grew up in, in the Southern suburbs of Sydney and they were pretty spectacular places to grow up and raise children. And, and I, and I would say that Santa Monica is equally as amazing to grow up and raise children. So, so we'll, we'll cross that bridge if and when we get to it but but yeah people I love people it talk, people talk about that a lot and i mean financially it's very difficult now but in the 70s and 80s heaps of kids would be getting brought up in new york city yeah in a house the size of this small in this yeah. living room yeah seemed to be turning the out the size of coldplay's dressing room exactly back in the day and they're turning out just fine yeah exactly you know? right exactly the whole right. idea that you've got to have a backyard or mm. you've got to have this or you've got to have that is yeah. I don't think it's nice, yeah. but, you know, there's ways to work around it. There's ways to work with it. Um, you step out in your balcony and look to the left and there's a pretty nice front yard out there yeah, with a lot of white good, right? sand and you turn to the right and there's a mountains, which are one heck of a backyard They've got out snow there. on them right now. I know. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, the other day when I, um, I mean, there's some, something that's always struck me about you and, and from the moment we met, yeah. you have this energy about you that it seems that, has been a great help to you in your career, but it's, I get, I, I don't know, am I, am I projecting, has that energy ever, was it difficult to control when you were a kid? Was it, was it a sort of thing that got you into trouble? Was it like, he's acting up, let's just go send him to swim school? Was it that sort of thing? You've got to go burn probably, that energy off, Daniel? a question for my, for my, for my parents, to be honest, but, but I, look, I was always, I was always active and look, I, I guess, I guess I, it's surprising because I've always trained in some capacity. So I started trying. My dad challenged. I played rugby. I played soccer. And then I played rugby, and then and then my dad took up triathlon. And my rugby coach was a triathlon coach, and so a few of the my mates and I from the rugby team uh, signed up for the kids race. I was eleven when I did my first race. I was also the prop forward in the in the rugby team. So so I was like. Um, the, the defensive lineman in, in NFL. Like I was the big fat kid on who everyone else hung off, you know, back in the day. And so I was very, I was the antithesis. I was the complete opposite of what a triathlete should look like back then. And, but, um, but, uh, but that dad laid down that challenge. Okay. So, but the guy who I was training with was also a national level swimmer and he went out and came third in his first race and I came 33rd out of 40 kids. So that was, you know, but that was another one of, of, of never quite letting go until I'd achieved my potential in that. And that's something that I've always do. So the energy, I guess, I guess the energy's always been, it's always just been there, but I think I've always never wanted to settle for anything less than, than what you're capable of. So, so yes, I, I do find it really hard still to sit, just kind of sit still, you know, uh, I, I guess almost is passive, rest or passive or active rest in a sense. Like if I'm sitting down, I will be wanting to read or write or, you know, like I, I took up meditating. I needed to, 
It's really nice. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. Um, my dad did TM for half his life, you know, and we only had our first chat about it truly six months ago. I'm 35 now, but as a kid, no, I was I was I was a pretty good kid. I was um, I used to get the train into the city. I was never the kind of the rat bag. My brother was my brother was a bit of a handful. They sent him to the private school for uh-huh. what they just discussed as. They needed a bit more discipline, right? But, um, but no, I was, I was, and I was the oldest too, so I could get away with a bit more. But, um, but no, that energy is something that I've always tried to put towards good, good endeavors. Yeah, you know, and it always surprises me when I stop training or when I stop exercising as much as I do because it kind of now a natural level is is kind of an unnatural level of exercise for most people. But but you know, it's amazing how late I can stay up at night and how how productive. I am in other areas of my, of my life, my career. So particularly in the last six months, I've made a, a real conscious shift to, to, to really focus on other, other areas, more sort of creative endeavors and professional endeavors, which has meant just kind of scaling back the amount of hours I'm sitting on a bicycle. Right. Yeah. But do you ever get, like, if you don't train for a few days, do you ever I hate get... hate it. hate it. I need to do something every day. Yeah. Otherwise, I go, I go, I go crazy. It's, and I think also, I kind of guess I, I just... I just strive for, for, for clarity, you know. So I just, for some reason, I, I always feel at my absolute best when there is clarity. And, and so that means, um, like, like today I realised I haven't had a drink for a week, um, which for me is, is a lot coming out of the last three months of, of last year, which is Dancing with the Stars, um, Spring Racing Carnival, a whole bunch of emceeing gigs all around the country, you know, and it's a crazy time. And, and I've been fortunate enough that I've always been able to manage the way I drink. Um, but as I get older, I'm, I'm aware that it is a, it is a demon there that you've just got to, you know, keep and, and deal with. But, um, but this morning when I was running, I was, well, I haven't had a drink for a week and I noticed the clarity of that, you know, and I've run every day for, for a week. That was my, my new year's goal is 30 days of, of continuous uh, at minimum 30, 30 minutes of running a day. That's on top of everything else I do, every other exercise. So I just noticed that clarity that comes from that, mm. that mental clarity, that, and, and life just seems richer where, when you've got that clarity. So maybe I'm just getting older and wiser, but, but there's, everything's just a bit brighter. You know? You're also a very en- enthusiastic person. You just are. <laughs> you, you approach the world with this boundless enthusiasm has it always been that way oh uh, no I, I can i can i can channel that enthusiasm into telling people to get fucked as well you really? know like oh yeah you know like i'm sure you know you we really should have zoe here for, for the other half of this interview <laughs> <laughs> you know because because uh because i'm sure behind no 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 i mean i i, I have enthusiasm I mean, it's I, I like to think i cover all the entire spectrum, yeah, of of you know where, wherever I channel it. So when you get when you get challenged, it uh, that energy comes out of you in a different form. Oh, I, I guess I spent the first twenty five years, I, I think, of my life backing away from challenge or not saying what I felt when there was a confrontation or a challenge or whatnot. And I think uh, probably in the last ten, and particularly in the last five, I found a, I actually found a profound shift when I turned thirty too. I, I love turning thirty. It was like there was a whole weight of I loved my twenties. I had a ball. I loved my twenties, but but there was just something that clicked. I, I just kind of 
a, a switch got turned on and, and I loved being in my 30s. And so so now I'm a much, I don't know, I don't know if it's, I don't know, maybe it's not egotistical, but it's just having, and probably because, because I never intended to be where I am in a sense, in the fact that I was picked off the side of a road, thrown into a soap opera and kind of felt like I spent 10 years apologizing for it, you know? So finally now I got to a point in my life and in my career where where I was absolutely confident in in the ability that I've nurtured and, and worked hard for and 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 the experience that you, you can't buy, you know, 17 years of of, of constant working in the entertainment industry. So so I, I kind of value that a little and a lot. And 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 so I just, just speak my mind and speak my and, and trust my trust what I'm saying is is legitimate but so I, what happened at 25 what happened that you started that changed just think i started growing up i think well actually i well actually what happened at 25 was when was actually when my parents split up and i've never really correlated the two but i just but yeah that was when i finished i've been in london for six years my parents were, were divorcing uh well hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're away. Well, I was away. That's tough. And so my sister, who was. Let me get the numbers right. My sister, who was maybe five when I left home, was suddenly 11 or 12. And my brother, who was 11, was suddenly 18. And I'd been living four years in Melbourne, four years in London, five years in old, give or take. So suddenly, eight years had passed. I was the eldest child. I'd been overseas. My parents' relationship had deteriorated. My brother and sister, my younger brother and sister, had both lived, both lived through that. They are all living in the same house. And suddenly I just felt this incredible responsibility to be back there. And, and so I, I pretty much packed up and, and left and came home. And so I guess that was probably, now, now I think of it, that's probably a pretty significant moment for a young man to when your family suddenly or your parents suddenly become two individuals. Mm. That's a big realisation in a young man's life. It is. So, um, and, and as, as it played out, I went home and encouraged my dad to move out. My dad and I moved in together in an apartment for, for 12 months yeah. just around the corner in, in Cronulla on the beach and mum and my brother and sister stayed in, in the family home and, and it was still, you know, it was very harmonious and we still got to see each other and whatnot but that was kind of me coming home I think was very much the catalyst for the transition and moving forward for, for the family and there was the beginning of the, the next phase yeah. of, of the, that family. So, 
Yeah, and then, and then interesting, you know, the flip side of that was was that um, I, I think I mentioned it somewhere to like someone. I was on the bill at the time, and I mentioned it in an interview in in the UK, and then a journalist doorstepped my mother coming home with my brother and sister from school with groceries and mum thought I must have spoken about something and she was getting all asked all this question about divorce and sure enough that weekend page nine and ten double page spread in the Sunday Telegraph why I'm quitting the bill to come home to save my parents marriage so that was how a lot of people found out so that was a little lesson for me to keep my trap shut but you know that's 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 life that's life you know <laughs> I know these journalists have families to feed. I know these photographers have families to feed. Mm. I could never picture myself doing that kind of job. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It was an interesting time because my parents had, you know, they hadn't told anyone and and you know, I guess I guess the flip side, the positive side was they got everyone out of the way in, in one fell swoop. You know, it was done. Everyone knew. Okay, there's the announcement. We're done. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember when I got divorced, I had to make all these phone calls. Oh, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah look, yeah. so yeah. I'm not married anymore. Oh, crap. So let's just talk a bit about the bill for a moment. Then. Yeah. So that would have been, it would have been like going from primary school where you're the biggest kid in class to high school where suddenly you're the smallest kid in class. When you show up on set of the bill, yeah. that must have been a whole different, different it, it was it, Yeah, that was nuts. So so that came about just it, it, briefly. I went over to the UK after the bill and I toured. Um, I did some panto for six weeks and I toured uh, for 10 months around the country. I toured Godspell the musical and then the producers of the bill, the producer of that musical, his brother was was high up at ITV, was the exec producer of the bill, came and saw the show, said, oh, actually, we're recasting the bill at the moment. He'd, he'd be great. Uh, I got a phone call the next morning saying, are you interested in doing you know, 18 months on the bill? So what the what the the, the old cop show? like The, the, the landmark yeah, cop show. Yeah, well, at the time it was, it was kind of pretty stale and it had been around. It was kind of not in a healthy kind of way and I, I just had these this visions of, Moustaches and you know, oh, cops in suits standing around, chasing people around a building site, chasing people around the Cockcroft estate, <laughs> and uh, and then when I saw what had happened, and it was just after that, actually, they'd actually blown up the station, recast a bunch of roles, repainted Sun Hill for the first time in probably fifteen years, and, and kind of reinvigorated the series, and and. And and so I started there, and it was and it, when I started, it was it was it was it took a couple of it took a while for that show to find its feet again, you know, because it had gone from being a, a half hour crime drama to being you know one hour to being more soapy, you know. They had the first gay kiss on the bill just before I started, and half of the UK was up in up in arms about you know, policemen kissing on TV and all this stuff. And I mean, this was 2002, 2003 maybe. Um, so everyone was like, oh, hang on, it's a soap opera and it's this. And 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 the the new executive producer created a show called Footballers' Wives and he'd come off Footballers' Wives and into into the bill. And, and it, was, it was just a bit of a, a, a jumble, you know, and that, but the kind of the strength of that show emerged out the other side and, and, and the strength was it was a character-driven you know, East London, South East London crime drama, you know, and 
and and it was a great experience. So I, I was always worried that that these these uh, sort of benchmark cast members like June Acklin and Tony Carver and Graham uh, Graham Cole who played PC Stamp and all these people have been there. How are they going to react to this blonde Aussie kid off Neighbours coming into their show? And they were absolutely fantastic. They were so lovely. And it was actually the younger generation who were a little bit harder to crack. You know, there was a whole new bunch in there and there was a bit of a bit of a click in there. But but I made some great friends there and I settled in eventually and 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 it was an amazing experience. But those older, those older kind of recognizable yeah. characters, they were um they were they, just wonderful. And they all it, loved Australia too. Was it single camera? It was. It was single camera. Yeah. So there were three units running at every any one time. So it was a two-story building that had a whole bunch of sets inside it so each unit was working on two episodes each and 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 so it was a six episode span and they were shooting single camera we were making we were making one hour drama it was edit it was airing uh eight o'clock tuesday and thursday nights so it was and it was huge it was very different sort of television to neighbors multi-camera yeah High turnover. Yeah, it was kind of long scenes. I remember they were long scenes big, too. Big, long scenes. Blocking big camera moves, shots, shots. Ah, yeah, yeah. oh, you know, it was kind yeah. of, it was kind of like very different stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of. Oh, I was going to say it was kind of the West Wing on Valium, but no, it was wasn't quite. It can't even put those two in the same same breath. But it was a lot of walking and talking and tracking through the office mm. and and um and then you step outside and it's. It is freezing and it is wet and, and there are cars driving past and and the sets look incredible because they are the real, you're filming on the real estates, you know, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's just, I, I loved it. I, I did love it. I look back and, and I probably did, don't, didn't realise how lucky I was to be in my early 20s living in London on primetime TV in a great role, you know. Yeah. I just thought, oh, well, this is next. Okay, what's next? Now, at this point, I should ask you about living in London. There's a rumor on the internet that you lived with Robbie Williams. Is that true? Uh, no. Well, it's well, it's kind of true in the fact. Well, no. So, so when I was touring Godspell, I um, I was the other lead was a guy called Jonathan Wilkes, who, who's who's still a mate to this day. But we were we were swapping the roles of Jesus and Judas. Johnny is is well known for not only being uh, a, a wonderful musical theatre performer and a great panto performer, but also for being Robbie's best mate. Uh, or was known most back the then. guy that hides in the piano in in he pops out of the one in, what um, we did last summer in yes, the Nebworth yes show. and yeah, uh yeah. and they did a great when i when i moved to the uk they'd just done the beautiful royal albert hall yeah. concert which swing was, when you win. exactly man yeah. and, and so so they did a great version of me and my shadow so they were they were both you know mega stars um over there so so yeah we'd we'd tour the country together johnny and i and then and then on a saturday night after the last show of the week um, we'd drive back to London. I'd stay. They were they were there, but I think Rob at the time was living in L- LA. He just moved to LA, so I was I was I was actually sleeping in his bed, um, which was kind of bizarre again to be 22 in London, sleeping in his bed. And I apologise, Rob, if I ever didn't wash the sheets or anything. But um, so yeah, that that's something that I still kind of pinch myself about. It's, yeah, they were fun days, and they were great people. And they it must have been insane family, then. You know? It must have been just what do we call it the other night? The Hank Moody years. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I reckon they were they were probably more civilized than than they sound because okay. we were working home, the whole time. We, we were working. We yeah. come home and and we'd kind of drink tea and and sit in Lakers tracksuits watching flat screen TVs replays of soccer. You know, it was like we were boys. We were young boys. You know, we, which 
yeah, well, Johnny was engaged and Rob Rob was was, was sober and and I was just me, you know, hanging out. I was I was cool, you know. Was, but you, I'm guessing you weren't getting much time on the bike if you were uh, in London. No, so I pretty much quit. Um, I quit when I moved. I didn't take a bike to the UK, and so so it was in one of my non triathlon times. But I ran the I ran the London Marathon. Oh, cool! Uh, while I was there, and then I. I tried to run it twice and I bung my knee up the second time but but I was still running and, and it was still sort of part of who I was and and basically yeah if if I have too long off I'll I'll go back into it and you know the, the fire burns too bright and you're like right I've got to find a race I need to train up for something so you know yeah got it yeah um well look you know to to then turn you not turn your back but to come away from that in the UK coming back to Australia, I remember the, like what's the, when you come back and look around and you see your peers who didn't make that move, did you notice a difference between between you? Or were you just too in with your family situation? You know what? I was probably just too young to be cognizant of it, you know? Okay. I was I was 25. Uh, I remember Jacinta Stableton said to me <laughs> when we were doing Neighbours together, we we ended up, you know, really good friends and 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 her brother Sully and and we were kind of you know the same same generation. There was you know, Jesse Spencer and Brooke Satchwell and Jacinta and myself and, and we were all kind of around. But remember, one day in the makeup chair after I won that Logie, she was like, "I thought you were going to turn into a real dickhead. Like I was convinced you were going to be an absolute wanker after you won that Logie." And <laughs> and you know what? You you you're okay. I was like, "Oh, uh, thanks." I think so. I don't know, but I I guess I just. I think I just came back and just went on my way and 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 I didn't it was it was again it was just such a blessing that the bill was on in Australia it was a year behind the UK so I came back I was still on air for a year and it was on a Saturday night on the ABC one hour so they're only playing it once a week so it, it doubled out like in length so instead of being six months behind it was so it was fantastic I had a great I was you know the first kind of Aussie main character there um, so I had this wonderful platform to come back and sort of springboard off when I came back to, 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 um, to Australia and it was, I was just super fortunate and, and, and we signed a deal with channel 10, uh, not long after I got back, which, which was, which is probably a deal. Again, it was ahead of its time. It was, it was too early in my career to sign it, but it was, it was a holding deal with a development deal and a hosting deal and an acting deal. So I had like X Factor tripping over a, a drama development deal with when Sue Masters was back at Channel Ten, plus I was, oh, I was on contract, and and looking back now, I mean that was one hell of a Big one kid. hell of a deal, yeah. And I was twenty five, I just didn't know what to do with it, you know. I just so so I had a great time. I hosted the X Factor back then, which was live TV, and and I had never hosted uh, a big format show before. It was my first foray into live telly, but I had done live morning TV. When I was in the UK with the same network that was ITV when the, when the bill was on, so so I'd done a little bit and and but I kind of just fell into that. Say so, yeah, I can do that, you know. It's read an autocue, chat around, you know. It's a bit, it was a bit harder than I expected, but but there was an allure of live TV that 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 it was the closest thing to pantomime that I'd ever come across, and it was actually the pantomime that kept me. That was the, that was the crossover of of um, of, of skill sets was panto to live TV. And and so I was able to kind of adapt to that, but 
but again, yeah, I was I was I was young, and and then and then I had this this great opportunity, and I was at ten, where you know where, where we we've done a lot of work there, and it was a great time to be at that network, and 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 then when I went straight out of that into, and it was actually when the X Factor finished, and I was waiting for Tripping Over, which is this wonderful six part um, drama co production uh, between the UK and and Australia uh, with with. Uh, Paul McGann, Rebecca Gibney, and and this, and this amazing cast. It was beautifully written by Andrew Knight and Andrea Denham and Mike Bullen, who created Cold Feet. And Andrew Knight's just done the Water Diviner, and it's just this incredible, just it was just beautiful, beautiful project, and it's still one of my favourites to this day. But I actually had like nine months in between, and I was on I was on a holding deal with the network, and that was when I went, oh, I'm going to go and do an Ironman because <laughs> I'm living in Cronulla, I'm living on the beach with my dad. Uh, I got no work. I can't go and work for anyone else. Well, what's the one thing I haven't done? Well, I grew up as a kid in Cronulla wanting to race Hawaii. So, all right, I'll go and I'll go and race Ironman. So that's when I started training for my first uh-huh. first Ironman, and subsequently fell off my bike and broke my collarbone like eight weeks out. <laughs> oh, God. And then the show got green lit, and I, I ended up going straight into the show. So it wasn't meant to be, but. Anyway, there's that enthusiasm and that energy again. Yeah, you can't sit still, <laughs> <laughs> mate. You you make me want to you make me want to go and jump on the bike. Ah. That's that's for sure. Uh, you're uh, you, you turn me on to these guys. You know, not only does this enthusiasm go for your career and the people yeah. you work with, but you also you have a you know you do a lot of philanthropic work. And I know you've talked about this with Rich, mm-hmm. but the Indigenous Marathon Project yeah. is a very 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 special thing. Yeah. How did you? How did you become aware of these guys? How did they become aware of you? It was it was actually at the Gold Coast Marathon, um, and and uh, running has always been throughout all my travels and all my life and my career. The one thing that I've always loved is that no matter where I am, you can pack, take a pair of running shoes and running shorts, and off you go. And it's, and that was great. my favorite way of discovering a new city. It's and the greatest, oh, absolutely. Drop bags, change, go. Yeah, exactly right. A- and it doesn't matter doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, size, shape. Color, race, religion, whatever—you can, you can, you can do it, you know. And and it's spectacular. So so yeah, I, I went back. So in one of my many triathlon comebacks, um, I, I went and started a tr- an Ironman campaign by getting fit and running the Gold Coast Marathon, which is a, a fantastic race. It's um, I think it's uh, July first weekend of July or June. Was it from middle of the year? It starts at Southport. And you run south. Um, all the way down to Corumba. It's maybe? just flat, flat and fast along the coast. Coast. So you run all the way down south, turn around, come back up, all the way up to Runaway Bay, and back down, and you finish right there at Southport. And it's wow. it's a great course. It's a great race. There's a I think it's a five, a ten, a half, and a four. And it's 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 a great marathon. I've been trying to go back since. Um, and so I raced that, and I trained up for that, and and uh, and and I ran uh, three oh seven, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, and that was the beginning of, and I yeah, so I've got to go back and, and take seven and a half minutes off that, but um, but at the end of the race was the entire uh, Indigenous Marathon Project team who'd all run full or the half or all raced, and and they kind of came over. I think it was Timmy Rowe. Tim came over mm-hmm. and said, oh, "Hey man, would you mind coming and getting a, a photo with the with the team?" I was like. Oh, absolutely! Please, of course. And, and then I, and I met them all, and then I, uh, I learned about the project, and, and I met Rob, and I and I, and I got chatting to Rob these... De Costello, Australian world yeah. marathon legend, finished Boston Marathon in two hours, 
11 or 15 or 13? Yeah, 11, sub, yeah. I think. 11, Is I he think? not done a 209 maybe? There might something. Have been, yeah, anyway. Sub 210. It was 83. It was right after he did the Commonwealth yeah. game. In, incredibly so, humongous yeah, so the project, athlete. Yeah, absolutely. And the project is, is his is his uh, his project, yeah. if you will. And um, look, I just I just got chatting to the entire team, and I got chatting to individual runners of of all shapes and sizes. And no matter where they were from, what their 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 family or community background, or whether they were from Sydney studying at university in Sydney or living in a community in far north Queensland, the absolute enthusiasm for running and for health and for fitness was just infectious. And that was where I clicked. I was like, okay, I, I want to help however I can or at least just spread the message that this exists. Um, the documentary Running to New York, that's what it's called, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course, Running to New York, um, I think had just aired or had been had been released just before that, I think, or maybe, or maybe just no, it was about that time. Mm-hmm. So there was a there was a bit of a bit of sort of public recognition and and um and to be honest, I, I would love to do more, but I've kind of I've been I was fortunate enough to be asked to be an ambassador along with a you know a nice group of people as well. And and I think it's just spreading awareness and 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 kind of um, a little bit of you know publicity here and there, and if you can get along to a run or you can do something more, you know, fantastic. But um, and it's something that that you know I always kind of toy with great ideas, like our idea, like the Uluru Ultra. <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, Osh and I nearly nearly ran from Uluru to Katajuda and back, which I think that we would. Toy I think with. we were going to start at Katajuda, go around Uluru. Oh man! So yes, which I think is about sixty k. If, if you do it's the one hundred and twenty-seven. Return, 127 return. Yeah, I, I mapped it out. So anyway, still, mate, still oh, I still love it. I still love still the idea. Could do it, but because the IMP, I think national championships are run out at. I think there is a run out at Uluru. So I think we should. I think we, we need to do, do it, it and come inside it. You know, just start at Katajuda, run out and do the finish with a lap of Uluru. That's the way, and then have the national championships the next day. Yeah, that's the way. I just got to fix my hip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting it's, it's wild since I started talking about my hip on the show. There's a bunch of lovely people who've gone, hey, you know, my surgeon is actually uh, really good. <laughs> well, uh, Lizzie, give me, a, give me a bit. I need to. I'm going to try the non-surgical for a bit. A Lizzie Street in uh, in Sydney. Hello, I love Dr. Liz, uh, Dr. Grace, my auntie, Dr. Grace. They're pretty handy as well. So, yeah, yeah, hip specialists. I might yeah. go check them out when yeah. I'm back in March. My auntie, doctor, my godmother, Dr. Grace, uh, was an Australian Olympic sports doctor and has been. Yeah, in medical sports medicine for years, um, but I did my work experience with her, and uh, my first patient was uh, checking Pat, Pat Cash's knee reconstruction when I was like twelve years old in the city in the doctor's surgery. And there's Pat. He's, Pat Cash, yeah, I've won Wimbledon yep, in a chicken yep, headband. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. So, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, random family story. <laughs> so anyway, yes, thoroughly recommend. We'll fix your hips, mate. Yeah, you're, totally, you're mate. Running I really miss running. IMP. So um, imp.org.au from memory, yeah. worth checking out. Absolutely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we're on the subject, if you don't follow Indigenous X on Twitter, it's is it great. It's, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. They got different uh, different person tweeting each week. Yeah. And it's really, it's really brilliant yeah. stuff. I really, yeah. uh, I really, really like it. Um, you, uh, I'm glad you're on the west side now. You used to live in West Hollywood, yeah, in uh, the Melrose Place of actors. Yeah, like every Australian actor lived in that building that uh, you was in. I yeah, think it was great. We loved it. <laughs> yeah, well, we loved. We did two years up there. We, did, we lived in three or four places up there, yeah. and you know, it was random stuff like 
like Zoe went up to Starbucks to get a coffee on her way home and she was late. I was like, why are you late? She goes, oh, I got parked in my Lady, Lady Gaga. <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. You know, you're driving down the street. Oh, should, we, you know? should we tell the story about what happened to us the other day? Which, oh, which one? On the hill? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was random. It was amazing. So we're going up this famous climb in Los Angeles. It's called Rockstorm. Yeah, the Rockstorm climb. Um, what is it? About th two, three k long. Uh, according to according to Strava, I think it's about four point three kilometers. Yeah, I think so. And, and yeah. up and up. Yeah, it's quite yeah, a lot it's, of up, but it's very windy. And they did it three times in the Tour of California this Goodness year. Goodness me! Yeah. Uh, it's very windy, and if you own a vintage car or vintage motorcycle on a weekend, that's where you're going. There's yeah. nothing, no other place to go. It's, yeah. it's it. It's the driver's driving course. Yeah. It's also the cyclist's cycling course. Yeah. And the motorcyclist's motorbiking course. So anyway, there's a lot of traffic. So if you're going to ride a bicycle out there, get out there early. Trust yeah, try, me. Try not the weekend. Yeah. So we're, we're going up there on New Year's Day, which was really great. Yeah. It was really great. And we get up, it's, it's hard. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm coming up behind Rich Roll and Dan Mack, who are both trying to tell me, oh, I'm so fat. I'm so unfit. <laughs> They're chatting, not even breaking a sweat, not even drawing breath, not even stopping a sentence to pull a breath in so they can finish the sentence. I'm just locked on the Dan's rear hub, just staring, trying to hold on. I'd fallen off at the very start of the ride, bent my derailleur, so I didn't have access to my lowest gear. So I'm grinding up this hill. We get to the top and there's cars up there that you just can't even yeah. believe. Yeah. Um, and there's, we thought, oh, we'll pull over and we'll get a photo. So we pulled over, we got a photo, we asked someone to take our photo with a GoPro or something. It was really good. And we heard there was this old like wacky racers car, like a 1921 Le Mans kind of thing. Yeah. Reversing. Like, what's all that about? We're getting photos and la la la. And some guy behind me goes, hey, move your car, get out of the way. And I moved my move your bicycle so the car can get past. I move my bicycle, I look to see who's driving it. And it's this, uh, my little brother identified the vehicle. It's a Bentley. Oh, really? It was a Bentley, probably about 90, oh, mid, mid 20s Bentley. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That would be priceless. And there's a, a gentleman in a, uh, a kind of Midwestern American faded leather jacket yeah. with a shock of silver hair, yeah. a recognizable shock of silver hair, a recognizable jawline. Yeah. It's Jay Leno. Jay Leno just going for his New Year's Day ride for drive in one of his many spectacular cars. So I've actually got a great selfie. Of me with Jay Leno in the background because uh, my GoPro was my Christmas present from Zoe. Right so on. I was like, I'm taking that on every ride now. So then three hours later, three hours later, we're uh, climbing up another hill miles away. We're miles yeah. away at this point. And we hear this coming up behind. It doesn't sound like a regular car. And we hear this. Because <laughs> it's like an ye olde car yeah. horn. We, we turn around. <laughs> And then a different car in a British racing green wacky racers car yeah. with a spoked spare tire in the back is Jay Leno again. He's giving us a wave. Yeah, a wave. <laughs> a toot and a wave. And I'm convinced that he still recognized you because when Osha rides, Osha is, is the fluoroist of all fluoro. Fluoro yellow and fluoro pink was the order of New Year's Day. A lot of pink. And, uh, so, and, and of course, he had to ask you to move so he yeah, could get his car earlier in the day. So I'm sure he recognized us. Yeah. And it was a little toot, a little wave from Jay Leno. And pretty good. Our our LA 2015 kicked off. To See, a good I got start. a pretty I got a pretty easy. So I don't have to ask anybody if it's okay if I go take five hours to go ride my bicycle. <laughs> but I sent a message to both uh, uh, Julie and Zoe. Yeah. Thank you for lending me your significant other for the day. There's a there's quite the negotiation yeah. around. Well, it's yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, Zoe and I have been apart. We've been apart for a couple of months. The late last year and. And then uh, we'd been so, so I, I went home for a month. She came home for the first week, or first two weeks. She came back for a month. I was still in Australia. I came back for four days. 
I went back to Australia. She was in LA for a month and she came out and we spent a month together. So our time together has been so very yeah. valuable. And during in that time we got engaged as well, which is which has been amazing. So we got engaged at the start of December. So so we were away on holidays and that was spectacular. So we've had this amazing time, but our time together now, we've come back to LA. We're in our beautiful LA home. We've got I've got seven days here together. And then I fly back to Australia for two days and then I fly to New Zealand to start a, a job for five months. So our time together is so very, very precious at the moment to be in our home together because when we're home, we we're staying at mom's, we we're staying at a hotel. And then the other thing is I really want to go and ride my bike. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of tough to, uh, thankfully, I, I've got the most beautifully understanding fiance um, who who says, uh, baby, go. But, but that New Year's day when it was like four o'clock and I was still up in the mountains leaving Richard, she's like, where the hell are you? I'm coming, baby. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Because we did, we did three or four I was trying to convince you to do eight more miles. We would have had 100K. You're like, no, I've got to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. did you do much... Uh, did you, did you do much planning for the for the engagement? Was it a surprise? It was a huge surprise. Um, she had no clue? No. No, we, we'd been talking about it. For, we'd been together for three and a half years and we'd sort of been talking about it earlier in the year, but then we had this incredible tumultuous three months where we weren't you know, in the same place for more than a couple of nights at a time. So, so, and then I've got this, this job, um, this, you know, I've got a job shooting a TV series. It's, it's for MTV here in, in the U S it's called Shannara. It's a big fantasy epic. Uh, I'm playing in a, a, a how do we describe it? A warrior, elven, elven warrior, warrior an prince, elven warrior prince. You get that in the wrong order. It doesn't sound as cool. No. Um, but I'm, yeah. So, so, so that's why I'm growing the beard. And and I'm going to be based out of New Zealand for the next five months. So, um, and let's not forget John Favreau's co EP. Yeah, yep, exactly so, Mr. Right. Iron Man is yeah, the executive yeah. producer of this show. This is a good one. It's a big it's deal. A, yeah, man. it's a big it's deal. A big deal, and, mate. Yeah, thank you. It's it's exciting. It's exciting just to to um because it's normally around this time of the year you make the oh I'm unemployed joke. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> You're very well, the most offer, gainfully employed. Yeah, well, the offer for this job. I got down to the final two for the lead role, missed out, and they said, oh, look, we'd like you to play the brother of the lead. Instead of signing on for seven years, you sign on for one. I was like, that's kind of perfect uh, for us. So, so, um, so, yeah, we signed on. We signed on. We got the offer for that role 9 a.m. the morning after the final Dancing with the Stars. Wow. So, I, you know, we were kind of – I had a whole team involved. As, as, it, as you work out, there's your American manager, your American agent, your Australian manager, an Australian kind of team – and we're all on the phone going, oh, what do we do this job or what? And, and I just figured that the universe doesn't give you a job at 9 a.m. the morning after your last job finishes for no reason. <laughs> so I kind of read into that a little bit uh, yeah. and went, okay, thank you. Thank you, universe or whoever is putting this in my path. But I guess. Might be Lady Gaga. Maybe. You never know. Maybe. Um, so, so because we had this tumultuous time, we hadn't the whole, the whole kind of when are we going to, you know, get married or get engaged thing um, had kind of been pushed aside and but in the meantime I, I went gone to my mother earlier in the year I said just hypothetically because there's a it took me it probably took me a while to get my head around she's in the diamond ring game isn't she my mother is a jeweler yeah there exactly, you go. Right. exactly right so I said look hypothetically can you just can you just if you get a chance next time you see Zoe could you just maybe find out what size fingers she has She's like, darling, darling, I found out what size she's got two and a half years ago. I knew she was the one. The moment she walked in the door, I've known for years. I've been waiting for you to ask. I was like, oh, shit, come on. So all this time I've been kind of procrastinating and, and trying to get my head around <laughs> the idea of uh, 
proposing. But uh, so anyway, short story is that um, we're we're up on holidays up in up in Queensland. We're just taking some downtime. Um, I got a I got a home uh, up up on the Sunshine Coast, which is just one of my absolute favorite places in the world. And and it's it's a place that we can call home, and we kind of go and and just shut down life and and live really beautifully and really simply. And we got no internet at the house and no home phone and poor mobile reception and, and a beach across the road. And it's just heaven, you know, ride my bike and, you know, make juice and clean the pool and, you know, sit on the balcony. It's great. <laughs> you know, talk about whether it's going to rain this afternoon. It's, it's, Queensland. it's, it's a summertime. I yes. love it. I love it. <laughs> so unbeknownst as though I'd, um, I'd uh, organized 20 friends <laughs> from Sydney and Melbourne and LA to, to fly in, uh, under the radar into Sunshine Beach, which is a pretty small town, and then uh, and another few of of Zoe's kind of friends who came up from Brisbane and and uh, and then some of our local friends from from that area, and um, and and uh, I surprised I, I proposed at the at the house and 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 uh, that was a beautiful moment, and then we had a surprise party afterwards, and and in true Australian fashion. We spent the next day, so the party was on a Saturday night, and it was it was fantastic. It was, it was just a lovely, lovely night with special people, and and um and, and the next day we we reconvened at the surf club, you know, and that was the thing. Okay, so so we had to have the celebration, and then Sunday midday at the surf club, and everyone came down, and everyone swapping stories and drinking beers in the sun, and and, and having beautiful food and eating prawns, and and just having a lovely weekend. So so that was that was it. Yeah, it was really lovely, and because it was kind of the festive season and and whatnot, we just and we're, and we're on, the reason we kind of didn't we didn't make a big song and dance about it is kind of we were still on holidays, so we, we kind of were up there and and just enjoying our time. We had family staying for the week, and and um and so we just kind of it's funny. Some people go, "Oh, you kept it a secret." I was like, "No, we just we just didn't put it on social media." Yeah, you know, and and we didn't sell it. You know, we just we really enjoyed just just being able to tell people as we saw them or, or, or take the time throughout the festive season to, um, to, to tell those, to, to tell our families mm. to friends and, and great friends. And, and so, so yeah, it's been really nice. And then suddenly, you know, it's suddenly it's six weeks ago and, and, uh, you know, so be it. So Look, we're, we're cruising, it's, a, man. it's a really, it's a really, and congratulations, mate. I'm, Thanks buddy. I remember when I first met her, I think it was the next day I said to you, Okay, so when are you going to put a ring on it? Because I, I, I'm like, <laughs> they don't come around like that yeah. often, mate. No, you get to no. lock that in. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's, just, it's it's the only relationship in my in my life where all of my best mates have one by one come up and just sort of said to me quietly, "You're batting above your average, buddy. Don't fuck this one up." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's the Australian man sign of going. That's the tick of approval. Oh, yeah. So so yeah, and I, and I absolutely. So we're 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 really happy, and, and thank you. you very much. Appreciate good for that, you man. for having all those people there as well. Because it's there's a thing. The wedding day yeah. is the day that you make the promise in front of everyone. But the moment you ask the question, that's the day that you actually decide. Yeah. You're not making a decision on the wedding day. The decision's yeah. been made. Yeah. The moment you actually decide, it's a really important day. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I thought it was worth celebrating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Particularly just to have that opportunity because we spend so much time in other countries away from families and we spend so much time apart. You know, we try not to and we were lucky that we haven't. But, this, um, but you know, we've got this impending kind of couple of months coming up. So yeah, the timing was was right and, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. 
Oh, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, so are we. Yeah. Yeah, it's bloody great. Yeah. And then you get to go to New Zealand. She won't be there. Well, all booked... that's in New Zealand is mountains. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, man. You and your bicycle no, will I go. I know, right? So, um, your second wife. Your giant yeah, I know, second the other, wife. The mistress, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so we've, already booked, we've already started booking flights. So, so I, you know, we, we kind of – we can do two weeks. Three weeks gets a bit iffy. Four weeks is, like, too much. So we kind of – We'll work it out whether we, you know, kind of monthly back and forth or whatever we can, yeah. can do. But so, I mean, obviously it's pilot season here for Zoe. So, so um, it's, it's very, very, you can't not be here for no. pilot season. So it's, you know, it's just, it's just what we, it's what we do. We've been very lucky to spend a lot of time together uh, over the last couple of years. So, so, but. Um, How we, did we, people do this before Skype, you know? Yeah. I remember I, I was Letters. in a, Pardon? Letters. Letters. Apparently. Yeah. Perfume. Letters. Oh, no, no. Letters. Perfumed letters. letters. Yeah. Sent. Every Hope. day. Hope and ascent. I wrote you every day for a year. <laughs> oh, I didn't get them. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. That's um, a... yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm taking a bike to New Zealand as well, which uh which will be my therapy. Yeah, my word. As well. Can't but wait. I'm super excited. I mean, I, and I told you this the other day. I'm super excited about not only are you and Zoe getting married, but it's lovely. Um what you're doing for this show on MTV and then it, I, th- I really believe that we are now in a post network or very much upon on the cusp of a post network world as far as television distribution. It doesn't matter that it's mm. on MTV. Mm. If it's on MTV at seven o'clock on a Thursday, like the days of Tuesday, Thursday, 8 p.m. ITV yeah. bill yeah. is gone. People yeah. will watch TV and they'll watch the show when and how it suits them. Yeah, and if exactly. there's enough buzz about the show, they'll track yeah. it down and find it. And yeah. as long as the production values are high and as long as the story's great, yeah. people will go nuts for it. Isn't it funny you, you, looked, you look now at, at, at how many Australian box sets of Australian shows I can think of how many I own as opposed to American shows. And, and I wonder how, uh, and, and, and I'll tell you, they were, they were a couple of series of Tangle. And there were a couple of series of, oh, what else did I have? Well, I had it on DVD. But, mm-hmm. but these days, you know, in particular, and, and what a great kind of um, first series of House of Cards. And I remember you devoured that oh when God. it came. They released 13 episodes. If you want to binge watch fantastic television, you can. We're not going to drip feed you one by, one week by week by week to make you watch our, our advertising. Look, look it's, it's, a, yeah, it's the business. There's a reason it's called show business and that's that's mm. it. It is a business. But, but um my, my point being that, 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 that people will watch, people now have the opportunity to watch the greatest television probably made in history ever. And it's coming thick and fast from all around the world. You know, the, yeah, you know, like from, from some of the Scandinavian yeah. stuff is incredible. Some of the French stuff is incredible, you know, and you've, and you've got it on your fingertips. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, and I hope, and I sincerely hope that Australian drama, um, continues or, or, or grows to be up on that level and it's and it's a hard one because we're such a tough we're such a small industry we are we are beholden to, to ratings and and to to network the the dollar return ratio mm. because it, you know and hopefully until there is another way of monetizing or, or, or making revenue um, I, I think that, that, that won't change but but in this country, you know, you, when you're selling Game of Thrones, even though it's the most pirated show in history, mm. 
when you're still selling. And Australia's and Australia's number one country that buys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still thieves. Yeah, still convicts. But you know, we're um, that's it's not going to change. You know, so anyway, uh, I digress. But yes, no, not at all. I but, think it's yeah. a, a, we're it's an exceptionally exciting time because now because there's digital distribution. Lower budget, micro budget Australian productions can now be seen all over the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And as long as the storyline, as long as the story is relatable. Yeah. Uh, shit, it doesn't even have to be relatable. As long as it's yeah. just good. Yeah. As long as the writing is top sh- top shelf, it'll compete yeah. worldwide. Simple, simple e- economics. Anyway. You know, yeah. if it's if it's good enough, people will watch it. You know, yeah. I mean, I've no doubt the original rake, the Australian rake, ten times better than the rake. That lasted less than a series here. It was amazing, but you know they they won't take a risk and do that. But you know, gee man, you gonna... was incredible. Anyway, it must be exciting though. To have you ever done a like a fantasy genre before? You've done sci-fi. Done sci-fi? No, this is the first time. So I've had to go and get a, a wig. Yeah, I got an elven wig, and I've got to go to New Zealand next week and get my ears cast. Yes. Um, and uh, and the beard is in full full form as we go. I'm sure it's keeping me warm, but I'm sure it's slowing me down up some of the hills. <laughs> uh, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you a photo. I'll tweet you a photo uh, as soon as I'm in full elven regalia. Do but, you get, um, will you wear the 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 feet? I'm not sure what's going on uh, in the Shannara feet region because you know uh, Terry Brooks is the author of of the Shannara series, and I think these ones were written uh, in 1975. So there's a lot of Tolkien comparisons and, uh-huh. and whatnot. But uh, but I think the quote that Terry Brooks says is, you know, some of these characters were cut from the same cloth in the same kind of creative era. But uh, there's a few differences. I'm I'm, I'm ripping my way through uh, the Elf Stones of Shannara, the book as we speak. So. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting, man. It's gonna be exciting. I wonder if I can nip over to Auckland while I'm down doing batch. Ah, come on, come on. I'm gonna show you a chili, Kataya fire chili while you're down there. Oh, wow. It's the greatest chili sauce really? on earth. They make it with kiwi fruit and habanero peppers. Oh, wow. It's the greatest chili sauce ever made. I would, yeah, I would love to. Yes, and you, I'm in. You can bring me some. I'm in. Um, I've got tickets to the, uh, the World Cup cricket semi final yeah. at Eden Park. Which I'm excited to uh, to do. Uh, my my dad is from Wellington, actually, so my dad's side of the family are all scattered over the North Island. So I'm going to do a bit of that. I raced Ironman uh, New Zealand over in in Lake Taupo, Lake Taupo, depending uh, where you're from, and uh, and uh, that was amazing. I'd love to go back down there and do a bit of bit of, bit of riding and check out that area. But I just if I get some time, I'm going to have to bring a bike. Come over. Let's go exploring <laughs> for a weekend, mate. Uh, I'm going to have to let you get back to your. Bride to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another text. Where are you? Is she written? <laughs> no, she's too good for that. <laughs> she knows I'm with you. Well, I'm really grateful for your time, man. Thanks so much. It's, it's always really an good. absolute pleasure to see you, mate. And uh, I wish nothing but success for you in 2015. And to you. I hope one of these days we can go up against each other in the ratings so we can make jokes I know. About imagine it. that. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, man. No, there's plenty <laughs> to go around. There's more pie than there is pie chart. There really is. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, I'm going to take your photo. Oh, wicked. Okay. You. And that's Dan McPherson. You can find him on Twitter at Dan McPherson, M-A-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N, at Dan McPherson. Keep an eye on him. He is a wonderful human being. He's a lovely guy. 
and following him on Twitter over the next few months will be very interesting while he's down in New Zealand riding bikes and being a uh, Prince Warrior Elf, Warrior Elf Prince. That's it. That's it for me this week. By the time you listen to this, if you're listening earlier in the week, I'll be in Disneyland because life's too short not to go to Disneyland because it's just down the street, Hmm, two hours down the street. So thanks so much for being a part of it. Please do subscribe. Subscribe to the mailing list. If you need to email me about anything, send your email at gmail.com or just reply to the mail out that uh, you get when you subscribe to the mailing list at oshaginsberg.com. So that's it for the week. Uh, if you're taking three steps forward, two steps back, a hug to you. Let's just remember that we're one step in front of where we were before. All right? We can do that. Let's have a good week, shall we? Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Sleep well. Dream of beautiful things. Have a great day. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. 
www.acast.com. <laughs>